Canto 10, Chapter 39 Krishna and Balarama leave for Mathura. Sri Shuka said, After comfortably seated on a couch, thus having been honored that much by Rama and Krishna, he, Akrura, saw that everything had taken place what he on his way had pictured in his mind. What would be unattainable when the Supreme Lord, the shelter of Sri, is satisfied? Still, the souls devoted to him, O King, do not desire anything. After having enjoyed supper, the Supreme Lord, the son of Devaki, asked how Kamsa treated his friends and relatives as also what his plans were. The Supreme Lord said, O gentle one, have you recovered from your trip? I wish you all the best. Are your friends, relatives and other associates all hill and hearty? But why, my dear one, would I ask about the well-being of us, our relatives and the citizens, as long as Kamsa, that disease of the family, who only in name is our maternal uncle, is prospering? Ah, because of me there was great suffering for my noble parents. Their sons were killed and they were imprisoned. Fortunately, today my wish has been fulfilled to see you, my close relative, O gentle soul. Please, uncle, tell me why you came here. Sri Shuka said, On the request of the Supreme Lord, the descendant of Madhu, Akrura described everything of the inimical attitude of Kamsa towards the Yadus and his murderer's intentions in relation to Vasudeva. He disclosed what the message was he was sent for as an envoy and what Narada had told him, Kamsa, about Krishna being born as a son of Anakadundubi. When Krishna and Balarama, the destroyer of all boldness in opposition, heard what Akrura had to say, they left and told Nanda, their foster father, what the king had ordered. Nanda then issued the following official announcement to the Gopas and the other people of Gokula. Gather all dairy products, take gifts and yoke the wagons. Tomorrow we together with all the people will go to Mathura to offer the king our products and have a great festival. When the coward girls heard that Akrura had come to Vraja to take Rama and Krishna along to the city, they got totally upset. That created in the hearts of some of them such great pain that their beautiful faces turned pale because of their sighing while the knots in the hair, the bracelets and dresses of other girls slipped away. Of other gopis fixed in meditation on him, all the sensory functions ceased so that they took no notion of this world anymore, just like it happens with those who attained the realm of self-realization. Women fainted, thinking of how Shauri had touched their hearts by sending his loving smiles and expressing himself in wonderful phrases. Thinking about Mukunda's charming movements, his activities, affectionate smiles, his glances that removed all unhappiness, his jesting words and mighty deeds, they joined in fear of the separation, greatly distressed in groups, to speak deeply absorbed with tears on their faces about Achuta. The fine gopis said, O Providence, where is your mercy to bring together the embodied souls in love and friendship? 
separating us, you leave us unfulfilled in our purposes. How uselessly you, just like a child, tie with us. Having shown to us the face of Mukunda, framed in black locks, his fine cheeks, straight nose and the beauty of his modest smile dispelling the misery, you are not doing any good by now making all of this invisible to us. By the name of Akrura, not cruel, you certainly are cruel, in your, like a fool, alas, taking away from us the perfection of all creation in one form, the enemy of Madhu you allowed our eyes to see. The son of Nanda breaks in a moment with his friendship. He has taken up a new love and has, alas, no eyes for us any more. We, who under his influence were made to give up our homes, relatives, children and husbands, and directly serve him. How happy the dawn is after this night, when unfailingly the hopes have been fulfilled of the women of the city of Mathura, for then they imbibe the face of the master of Vraja arriving there with the nectarian smile from the corners of his eyes. However subservient and intelligent Mukunda may be, once his mind is seized by their honey-sweet words, O oh girls, what chance is there for us? Would he, spellbound by the enchantments of their bashful smiles, still return to us rustics? Today there certainly will be a great festival before the eyes of the Dasharas, Bhojas, Andakas, Vrishnis and Sattvatas and all others out there, when they, on the road, see the darling of the goddess, the reservoir of all transcendental qualities, who is the son of Devaki. Such an unkind person, a person as extremely cruel as he, should not be called a Krura, because he, without the least excuse, removes from the presence of us, people of Vraja, full of sorrow, the one dearer to us than the dearest. He who so coldly has mounted the chariot, Krishna, is by these foolish gopas followed in their bullock carts, and the elders do not even say a word. Today providence is not working in our favor. Let us go to him now and stop him. What will that do to us, the family, the elders and our relatives, we who not even for half a second can miss the association of Mukunda? Separated by that fate, our hearts will be broken. For us, who by the charm of his loving affection, attractive smiles, intimate discussions, playful glances and embraces, were drawn to the assembly of the Raza dance, the night passed in a single moment. How, O Gopis, can we ever defeat the insurmountable darkness of his absence? How can we ever exist without him, that friend of Ananta, Balarama, who, at the end of the day, surrounded by the Gopas, entered Vraja with his hair and garlands smeared with the dust of the hoofs, he who, playing his flute and smiling from the corners of his eyes, stole our minds with his glances? Sri Shuka said, Thus speaking in pain about the separation, the ladies of Vraja, in attachment thinking of Krishna, forgot all their shame and cried out loudly, O Govinda, O Damodara, O Madhava! While the women were lamenting thus, Akrura at sunrise, after having performed his morning duties, set out with his chariot. The Gopas, who led by Nanda followed him in their wagons, 
took along an abundance of offerings and clay pots filled with dairy products. Also the gopis followed their beloved Krishna for some time and then stood waiting, hoping for some pleasing words from the Lord. The greatest among the Yadus saw them lamenting at his departure and consoled them lovingly with the message, I will do my best. Sending their minds after him for as long as the flag and the dust of the chariot were visible, they stood there like painted figures. Without the hope of ever seeing him back, they returned and free from sorrow spent their days and nights singing about the activities of their beloved. With the chariot moving as swiftly as the wind, the Supreme Lord, together with Rama and Akrura, O King, arrived at the Yamuna, the river removing all sin. After touching the water there with his hand and drinking the sweet liquid that was as effulgent as jewels, he led the chariot to a grove and then climbed back on it together with Balarama. Akrura asked them to stay behind on the chariot and went to a pool in the Yamuna to perform a bath in accord with the injunctions. Immersing himself in that water and reciting perennial mantras, Akrura saw before him the likeness of Rama and Krishna. He thought, how can the two sons of Anakandunubi, positioned on the chariot, be present here? Let me see whether they are still there. And rising from the water, he saw them sitting where he had left them. Again alone entering the water, he wondered, was my vision of them in the water a hallucination, maybe? And again he saw in that same place the lord of the serpents, Ananta or Balarama, the godhead with the thousands of heads, hoods and helmets, who by the perfected souls, the venerable souls, the singers of heaven and those of darkness, was praised with bowed heads. Clad in blue and with a complexion as white as the filaments of a lotus stem, he was situated there like Mount Kailasa with its white peaks. On his lap there was situated peacefully, like a dark cloud, the original personality with the four arms, clad in yellow silk. He had reddish eyes like the petals of a lotus, an attractive, cheerful face with a charming, smiling glance, fine eyebrows, ears and a straight nose, beautiful cheeks and red lips. He had high shoulders and a broad chest, home to the goddess, stout long arms and a conch shell-like neck, a deep navel and a belly with lines like those of a banyan leaf. He had firm hips and loins, two thighs like an elephant's trunk, shapely knees and an attractive pair of shanks. His ankles were high, reddish with rays emanating from his toenails, and the soft toes of his lotus feet surrounding his two big toes glowed like flower petals. Adorned with a helmet, bedecked with large and precious gems, wearing bracelets, armlets, a belt, a sacred thread, necklaces, ankle bells and earrings, he carried an effulgent lotus, a conch shell, a disc and a club in his hands, next to the Srivatsa mark on his chest, his brilliant Kashtuba jewel and a flower garland. He was accompanied by attendants headed by Nanda and Sunanda, and was, according to each different type of loving attitude, praised in sanctified words by Sanaka and the others, by the leading demigods headed by Brahma and Shiva, 
by the foremost twice-born souls and by the most exalted devotees led by Pralada, Narada and Vasu. He was served by his internal potencies of fortune, development, speech, beauty, renown, contentment, comfort and power, as also by his potencies of knowing and ignorance, his internal pleasure potency and his creative potency. Witnessing this to his great pleasure, he, Akrura, stood enthused with supreme devotion, with the hairs of his body standing on end, and with his eyes and body getting wet because of his loving ecstasy. Regaining his composure, the great devotee, with a choked voice, offered his respects with his head bowed down. Joining his hands, he attentively prayed slowly.